Hello and welcome to night number 27 of 31 Nights of Frights, year 3, The Franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 27 is going to bring us to the ninth entry in the Hellraiser franchise. If you thought the last entry was the worst in the franchise, I would say this one is probably worst in the franchise. Even though there are some elements that elevate it above Hellraiser 8, Hellworld. Either way, let's get into it. Not starring Doug Bradley, and currently sitting at a 2.7 on Internet Movie Database, only has a 35% approval rating from viewers. This is the 2011 Victor Garcia directed Hellraiser Revelations. Alright, so the plot for this one, strangely enough, almost acts in some ways as a remake slash reboot of the first Hellraiser film, although it is a new entry and sequel. Anyway, I think I'm getting too far ahead here. The general plot is two college friends go to Mexico for just an effort to get away from life. One of them winds up murdering a hooker. They also get visited by a mysterious homeless man who gives them a mysterious box. This mysterious box, of course, is the lament configuration. The way for us humans to get the so-called ultimate pleasure. The college friends go missing. The parents, of course, are trying to grieve and deal with it the best they can until one of them shows up on their doorstep, I believe a year or so later. I don't know the exact time period here. At the start of this, I think we should address the elephant in the room. Of course, if you follow horror movies or if you're a fan of the series, you already know this. You probably took notice that I said not starring Doug Bradley. Well, he's not in this, which is a shame. I think Doug Bradley would have elevated this. However, with the quality of what is shot here, I think it would be a disservice to actually have Doug Bradley involved or a part of this film. Taking over for Doug Bradley in this one is actor Stephen Smith Collins. I cannot say enough how miscast this guy is. Maybe he is a great actor. However, in this movie as Pinhead, he's pretty terrible. He winds up looking like somebody that is doing a maybe excellent cosplay for a con somewhere. With the look and sneer that he gives probably 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, he looks like a very angsty grunge kid from the 90s in a way to me. The worst part about it is he doesn't even come close to capturing the power that Doug Bradley possessed in the role as Pinhead. Not only is his look off, but his voice is off as well. The rest of the cast in this one are actors and actresses that are not very good or very convincing. As a matter of fact, the overall quality of this film reminds me of something that I would see on YouTube that would be a fan film. If this was a fan film, then yeah, I would say, hey, it was probably pretty good or great even. But this is an actual movie that Miramax or Dimension Films, whatever you want to call them, this is a movie that they commissioned and actually produced. 
There is a good reason of why they actually produced this one, and that's specifically to hold on to the rights. It seems they made it for as cheap as possible. If you look up the budget, you will see that it's anywhere from 200 to 300,000. Google tells me it's 300,000, however, I remember reading about it that it was 200,000 and it was shot in the course of roughly about two weeks. This movie and its low budget, it really hinders the movie. It's so low budget that, of course, it's poorly directed, but a prime example of a super cheap movie is the found footage part. They have it as found footage, and they did this specifically to not just tell the story, but because it was a cheaper way to shoot. One of the found footage moments actually shows us in a bar. This is supposed to be a bar in Mexico. Well, this bar is practically empty, and it really looks like a tiny room. The found footage segments in Mexico, they really do not look like any other movie or TV show set in Mexico that I've ever seen. Other parts of the movie are equally cheap looking, even when we get to the standard, standard shots that we expect from a film. It just all looks like it was made for even less than what the actual budget was. There's a lot of twists and turns throughout the movie and they don't exactly add up. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I do appreciate the fact that they did have a little bit of a twist to the story and it was reminiscent of the first Hellraiser film. That's a nice addition. I do like that they tried to stick to traditional Hellraiser mythology here. It works in the movie's benefit. It makes it where this is a awful film, but not a terrible film. The way it actually adheres to the actual Hellraiser mythology, it makes it a better film than what the last film was, at least from a story perspective and respecting the material, but it doesn't exactly make a great film. I mean, I do have a couple good things to say about the movie. Specifically, one thing I do like is what I mentioned earlier, is that there was the guardian of the box, the, the homeless man that seems to always give it away. Well, not just give it away, but also retain the box too when it needs to be called back. This homeless man that's never really explained who or what it is, it is shown to be a demon in the first film, but that's something that hasn't been seen since the first film. So I don't quite know who or what he is, but it's great to see that they had a return to form as far as him giving the box away. I don't think you've actually seen this character since the third film, so that's what makes the movie feel almost a little bit on the remake rebootish kind of side. They did try to do something a little bit different with the found footage, and then we even get treated to a proto-pinhead or proto-priest. I have no idea what this character's called, but I can tell you that the character doesn't really do much for me either. Another thing that reminded me that it's sort of like a remake is the character of Steven. He's one of the spoiled brat rich kids that goes to Mexico. You could say that he's more or less a male version of Julia from the first film, but this time he's not taking lives for a lover, but for a friend. The other twist in the film of one wearing the other's skin is actually somewhat decently executed. I could actually continue to rip this movie to shreds. It's easy to do, and I do try to find the good even when I do watch a bad film. 
There are a few decent scenes, for example, in Candyman 3, but it doesn't really add up to a good movie. If anything, what I do have to say about this one is that I feel there may have been a decent movie in here. If we were to actually get a remake of this and it was, I guess, given a decent budget and maybe had some better scripting, it might have been alright. I honestly don't hate this movie. It sounds like I'm trashing it. I'm not. It's just not a great film, but it does do some things right, and I really feel that having Gary J. Tunnicliffe as the scriptwriter here, I think it helped, but it's a middling film, and obvious that the script wasn't in various stages of script writing. They threw this thing together as quick as possible, and maybe having Doug Bradley here might have helped, but again, I wouldn't want to see Doug Bradley tarnish his legacy by being involved. My actual opinion on this is that while it may be worse than number 8, in a lot of ways it's on par with number 8. The thing that Hellraiser 8 had was the fact that it had a halfway decent cast. This doesn't have that advantage. And so for that, I think it's probably the weakest in the Hellraiser franchise. But with that, I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, if you don't do the whole social media thing and want to get in touch, shoot me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on some past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. Also, if you do have a free moment, I would appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It will allow me to reach new listeners and also create new episodes. Plus, I simply love the digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.